starting now? Daniel J. Heiser. Yeah, I'm your host. Uh, screen name Illegal Carrot, real name Daniel Jacob Wolpert Heiser, puppy dog McGillicuddy. That's me. And we have a, a gra- another great episode of the 30-year-old Boomercast today with my, my good friends, Mr. Robert Lowe. Uh-huh. Say, say hello. Okay, yes. And my other friend, Danny Brown. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the show, everybody. Very high energy here tonight on the show tonight because we've got we've a got... special episode. What were you saying? Uh, Yeah, let's get the energy up. Let's go. Let's... It's funny that two of us uh, have a famous person's name. Yeah. That's true. That is true. <laughs> And someone's gonna accidentally watch us and think like, "Whoa, Rob Lowe and Danny Brown did a yeah. <laughs> cast together." This is gonna be crazy. Uh, that's gonna be real good for the the search results. You know, we have to tag our names and everything. Yeah, I mean, we gotta oh, yeah. use the weapons that we have. Today's special episode is real time strategy games versus turn based strategy games. Ooh, hell yeah! The Let most, us pump up the jam. Some of the most boomer uh, genres in video game history, I think. And what's interesting is, um, I mean, I'm going to kind of discount Fire Emblem here because I know Fire Emblem just had a recent big release with Three Houses. But um, I don't know. I feel like strategy games in general, whether they're real-time or turn-based, they're definitely kind of in a lull from what they used to be, you know, they used to be a lot more popular uh, in the nineties and the two thousands. And, uh, Oh yeah. The, I mean, a big part of that is cause like blizzard stopped making real games. Uh, they stopped making real RTSs a long time ago. And yeah, it's unfortunate uh, that blizzard, they kind of had that, you know, with Starcraft, they had so much, um, kind of credibility within that space. They had a lot of goodwill. And they were kind of like, you know, they set the industry standards with StarCraft and then with Brood War, the expansion. And then they never really did anything with StarCraft after that. They had WarCraft 3. But after WarCraft 3, they kind of really just staked everything into their MMOs. And like a lot of their attention went there. And Isn't with, there a without... StarCraft 2? Yeah, there's yeah. StarCraft 2. Um, but that's it. Yeah, that came out a couple years ago, and they're still, I think, supporting it in some way. I don't think StarCraft II was ever as big or as popular or as competitive or any of that stuff as StarCraft I. Um, Yeah. So the the heyday of RTSs was probably StarCraft I back in, like, the early 2000s. And then where the RTS genre went from there, you had a lot of, like, you know, good things to look forward to at that point in time. And... um, I mean, turn-based games, it's, a, it's just a different way of handling the action. Uh, one thing that I kind of wanted to, I don't know how it's really going to affect the conversation too much, but one distinction you kind of have to at least keep in mind is the difference between tactics and strategy. And my very simple definition of the difference being that, you know, a, tactic, a tactics game is going to be uh, focused on a much smaller scale. Um, I think... You know, Final Fantasy Tactics, it's got tactics right in the name. XCOM is a good tactics game where you're controlling like a handful of units. And, you know, obviously it's turn-based, so you're controlling them one at a time. And it's kind of a turn order. 
Um, but you, you got to think about like a tactics game versus a strategy game, which I think is much larger in scale, where you really need to start thinking about like unit travel times and, and all this stuff that's happening in real time as well. Well, we should do um, like some basic defin definitions, right? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say that XCOM is going to count as like a turn-based. I mean, I would include it in this conversation. But when you're controlling like four to six agents in XCOM versus like hundreds of units in a more traditional quote-unquote real-time strategy game, there kind of is that difference there. And I think a lot of it is built in to the very format of a turn-based game. You can't have 300 different turns with 300 different units, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, whereas you can have all that stuff calculated in real time in a real time strategy game. So it's, it's two different kind of games. And that's just, but, I mean, we should give play. a basic definition of each genre, like for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like I mean, real, real time strategy games, it's real time. Yeah. It's, uh, there ain't no turns. That shit don't pause. You got to take a piss? Too bad. Well, I mean, you can pause the single player. But yeah, if you're playing multiplayer, well, yeah. <laughs> then... Um, but you can't, no... like, look away, you know, like a turn-based... Turn-based games are, like, one of the chillest genres out there because, you know, during your turn, you know, you can just you can just chill. You can go get a drink of water. You don't even got to pause the game, you know? Yeah. Um, as chill as it gets. In a real-time game versus a, a turn-based game in a turn-based game you're obviously going to i i can't think of any game that has a built-in time limit for your turns like in, in chess there's time limits so you can't just in competitive waste, yeah, yeah you can't just waste your opponent's time um but i don't know of any like turn-based game that has anything like that and i don't know if that's something that like would ever get abused in like the multiplayer turn-based community um but Generally, you're going to have as much time as you need to consider what your move is going to be, and you can take the thing one turn at a time. So you really only have to limit your decisions that you make at any one time to whatever you know, what whatever character or unit's turn it is, and you just focus on that. Um, a real time strategy game, of course, is going to go in real time. So you're going to be you know collecting your resources, building your units, or whatever it is that you're doing in this game. But it's all going to be happening at once. So as you expand, as the game becomes more complex, as you get more units and, and more is happening on the field and more and more of the map is being contested, um, it's going to become more and more taxing on a player to kind of keep up with that stuff. Um, and I think that's potentially one of the big differences between the two is that with a, a real-time strategy game, you know, if your opponent is sharp and quick then he can maybe attack you on two or three different fronts at the same time. And then your reaction time actually is a much bigger factor um, into a strategy game, uh, a real-time strategy game. Uh, because if you just, you know, if you're not as practiced or as well-versed in the game and you get overwhelmed and you can only respond to one or two threats at a time, but not all three, um, then that's a definitive advantage that a player with better either micro ability or something of the sort. Uh, they're really going to have that advantage there. You can see yeah, obviously I, I can't hang the with competitive StarCraft scene. I think that was very far in the direction of a lot of micro. I think a lot of strategy games and the biggest name strategy games since StarCraft have really kind of backed away from that insane amount of micro. 
Um, but they're still, you know, in a real time game, you're going to have to deal with things in real time. And that's going to be partially limited to your, essentially your mental bandwidth and kind of like what you can keep up with. Um, whereas in a, in a turn-based game, you can probably see what the next couple moves are going to be. You can predict them several turns in advance because you can say, okay, I'm on this turn and this is what I'm going to do on this turn. But here's what I think is going to happen in the following turns. So a, a, a tactics game, um, even though they're both competitive, I would say that like a turn-based game is going to be a lot more almost like a puzzle of figuring out like, okay, what piece do I need to move here that can like threaten that piece? It's almost like a game of chess. Chess would be a great example, I think, of a turn-based um, battle game. Um, you know, chess doesn't really get, get, get thought of as like a strategy game, but in a lot of senses it is. And I think it serves as a great example as like a very basic turn-based strategy game in a sense. Well, it's funny when you say micro, because when I think of real-time strategy games, I think of a micro penis. That micro is brain. an unfair Sucks. distinction to make of Koreans. And what about, I'm talking about Koreans. You are racist for the implication. <laughs> Fuck real-time strategy. I'm trying to play these games on the toilet. Okay. Well, with the Steam Deck, take my time. Yeah. If the Steam Deck, I'm I plan on putting a StarCraft on there. Uh, no. Drop and trial. But StarCraft then... is too taxing. You got to pay attention the whole time. <laughs> I'm most focused on the toilet. Am I alone there? But then you got to stay in there for like an hour because <laughs> you can't really like yeah, pause that's... to get up. You know. Uh, any sort of strategy game. I mean, it, it's hard to, de again, when it comes back to definitions, would you consider something like a MOBA to be a strategy game? Something um, like League of Legends or Dota. Is that a strategy game or is that kind of its own little genre? Because it's clearly an evolution of strategy games. I'm going to say no, so, because the last thing I ever want to talk about is League of Legends. League of Legends. Well, I mean, MOBAs were kind of born from Warcraft 3. But it's yeah become so much of its own thing that I wouldn't consider them the same, really. Well, according to the Wikipedia for turn-based strategy, they're not really a real-time strategy. They're not uh, mentioned at all. Okay. Um, although I will say, definitely more action-oriented. It also yeah, says there's there's somewhat of a controversy about whether or not God games are real-time strategy games. Yeah, it's all kind of murky. Because that's more, you know, like management simulations or city building kind of. Because yeah, it... when people think of RTSs, they think of like two armies fighting each other. Yeah, I mean, uh, you could yeah. say that even something like SimCity, it's not a military game, but you're certainly using strategy in real time on your city, right? Um, And it certainly fits all the other parameters of a, of a strategy game, you know? But it's like, because then it, it becomes its own beast from turn-based, because what what makes real-time and turn-based, like, two sides of the same coin is the fact that it's about two forces fighting. You know what I mean? Because, like, SimCity, for example, every real-time strategy game could be a turn-based strategy game. Like, you could modify it to be one, where, like, SimCity could not be a turn-based game. It just, like, wouldn't make sense. You know yeah, because I mean? there's no back and forth with with any sort of opponent. Yeah, there's always a, a an opponent, whether computer or person, in these games. 
I think um, touching on what Danny said, how Dota was actually originally a mod of Warcraft 3 before it came its own thing. Um, I think strategy games, and this is this is true of a lot of PC games in general, but um, strategy games really benefit from being moddable. And, you know, you saw Warcraft 3 was a pretty good game that Blizzard put out. There's no knocking, you know, Warcraft 3 in any way as a game. Classic. Um, but then the the mods that came out for it, the things that the community was able to create or were able to do um, was really amazing. And all the custom games they had, all the custom rooms they had open, and you could download the files and you could play their own, essentially their own custom setups or their own custom mods even. And that's how stuff like Dota came around. And uh, this is true of a lot of computer games. You know, modding is very important. The reason that Skyrim is still alive uh, like a decade later is primarily because the modding scene for it is still alive and well. And, you know, in my opinion, and you can go into an older game like Skyrim and just completely change the game. Uh, you can download a bunch of different mods, a bunch of different textures, a bunch of different changes. Uh, you can unlock, you know, locked content. You can do all sorts of stuff. Well, people make whole um, story modes. They make their own whole yeah. game. And, and I think that's a very important thing, especially for strategy games. Um, it's it's definitely a genre that hasn't seen, it's not in its heyday, and it hasn't seen nearly as much excitement or hype as before. And a lot of the people that were interested in that sort of gameplay, um, as I mentioned, they moved on to MOBAs and, and that sort of realm. So mm -hmm. there's not a lot of like hardcore strategy gamers still left. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty out there. I really think it's just a matter of uh, the right dev needs to come together and just make a genre redefining strategy game. Um, but the last time that really happened was Company of Heroes in 2006. And um, I think Relic did a really good job as a real-time strategy game developer. Um, they made a lot of like really original games like Homeworld. Um, and then they took on the Warhammer 40,000 license with their Dawn of War games. And I think Dawn of War um, is a lot less polished and a lot less refined than something like StarCraft. But like the way they were able to update and kind of revitalize the strategy game genre uh, by having stuff like unit morale, that was not something that was ever really in a game before. And as the Warhammer, you know, the board game and stuff has morale and such in it, it was basically a new mechanic that they invented for the genre and uh, morale and status effects and stuff like that uh, became much more popular in strategy games after that. And uh, that was something that they really carried on again with Company of Heroes, where they have a unique suppression system where you can actually like suppress units with massive amounts of firepower. And that's kind of, um, you know, a replication of, of that aspect of uh, uh, World War Two is Company of Heroes is a World War Two game, if uh, you're not familiar. Um, and so I think stuff like, again, uh, status effects are a big part of MOBAs. And that came, a lot of that kind of came straight out of different implementations within strategy games. It's like, wait a second, if we can have this kind of status effects on units in a strategy game, then that would work really well in something like a MOBA. Uh, and you can see where a lot of the trends have kind of like focused on that point. 
and a lot of the um a lot of like the the strategy gaming community is kind of on MOBAs now uh, specifically for that reason all this shit's putting me to sleep well hey I'm, there's I'm there's just, a lot of stuff to think about in a in a real time game. Like, I'm just trying I to play feel... XCOM. I'm trying to inch my guys forward and put them on Overwatch and and do that fifty times. <laughs> well, I think in a lot match. of it too is single player versus multiplayer, and I feel like for a turn based thing, you can do either single player or multiplayer. But I feel like the multiplayer is going to kind of take a backseat to the single player for a turn-based Oh, thing. yeah, for sure. Um, and I feel like it's the opposite for real-time. Like I said, a lot of a lot of real-time strategy gamers will only play the campaign. And so you need to have a good campaign with, like, unique this, and it's got to be compelling. But a lot of what a strategy game developer does is focus on the multiplayer. And oh, boy. I think that's much more much more important to to strategy gaming than or to to real time gaming than it is to turn based. Oh, remember when Blizzard took a took a dump on all those Warcraft 3 mods when they made Warcraft yeah, Reforged? Yeah, so Warcraft Reforged is like the perfect example of how a developer should not treat their existing <laughs> yeah. IPs. It's the exact opposite of what you should do cuz they've done nothing but piss off all their fans, put out an inferior version, like an objectively inferior version of it. Um, I don't Isn't know if like, it's... I think it's once you downloaded it, like if you downloaded Warcraft 3 Reforged, it would delete Warcraft 3 and you could never get it again. <laughs> yeah, that was... And they didn't tell anybody that. That was uh, a really terrible development decision on their part, yeah. Where so people they really lost, liked the original... Like, yeah, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would still be playing the original to this day, and they just aren't anymore because of that. Well, I think a big a big part of it is is that again, with strategy gaming not being in its heyday, um, developers don't want to split their community any more than oh, they between have to. multiple games. Yeah, oh, like and, weren't you talking about that with the like Company of Heroes one and two kind of controversy? Yeah. So uh, to touch on Company of Heroes. Um, and, and why I'm Mr. Real-Time Strategy Gaming over here, by the way. Um, I am the developer on a Company of Heroes mod called Europe and Ruins. And so I'm, you know, hence why check I'm on Real-Time Strategy Game. Yeah, check us out. Europe and Ruins on Steam. It's if free. You like strategy games, it is. You have to have a company of, comp you have to have a copy of Company of Heroes. Oh, actually. yeah, yeah. Um, but... If you're interested in strategy games, I don't think you're going to get a better game than Company of Heroes. And in terms of what you can get out of it, I think uh, the mod we have made, Europe and Ruins, is probably the best experience you could get overall if you just really like a kind of grand battle, real-time real -time strategy experience. Kind of like a larger, persistent multiplayer campaign uh, that we have going on. Really cool. Um, but... What did I mention before that? <laughs> what was oh, the about how they, don't doesn't don't the devs like want you to play company? Oh Girl yeah, too? yeah, yeah. So this is, I mean, this is not exclusive to to Relic, um, but what happened was they they made Company of Heroes one, and Company of Heroes one is moddable. So Company of Heroes one was revolutionary. It was really popular. It lasted a very long time, and because it was moddable. There was this huge community of modders that would make their own little mods, and there were dozens of very successful, very popular, very well-made mods. 
and it kind of kept the community for that game alive uh, because people were around playing mods and mods were keeping the game relevant for a lot longer than just the ordinary game's lifespan would have been. And the Company of Heroes 2 came along and very unfortunately, uh, Relic did not make it nearly as moddable as Company of Heroes 1 was. So there was some, there's some simple um, superficial stuff you could do, but you couldn't really like go into the game's code and change it into a completely new game from the bottom up. And so that actually led them to have this weird problem where there were still people playing Company of Heroes 1 because uh, in a lot of ways, a lot of people think the first one is actually better than the second one, or at least that they're equal. And the second one is not necessarily objectively better than the first one. So you have a lot of people still playing the first one. And you have mods that are really popular, so they're still playing mods for the first one. And that's kind of keeping the whole Company of Heroes 1 community alive. But then Company of Heroes 2, there's no mods, so it's only people who want to play specifically the, the base game online, because that's literally all you can play. You cannot play any more in-depth mods. So what that actually does is, instead of allowing modding for Company of Heroes 2 and just the entire community moving on to Company of Heroes 2, they did not allow modding, and kept it in the first one. So now the community is split between Company of Heroes 1, Company of Heroes 1 mods, and Company of Heroes 2. And they just announced Company of Heroes 3. And I'm, you know, everyone in the modding community is, of course, saying, we hope that they make this more moddable so that we can port all our mods from Company of Heroes 1 all the way to Company of Heroes 3. But the problem is, is that THQ went bankrupt and um, everything got bought out by Sega. And Sega is not known for treating their IPs the best, unfortunately, um, when it comes to trying to squeeze every last dime that they can out of a franchise, maybe. Um, and so I think uh, what I'm worried about is that some suits at Sega might say, no, don't make Company of Heroes 3 moddable. We don't want people to stop playing Company of Heroes 3 in order to start playing Company of Heroes 3 mods. Um, so they're going to try to, you know get the most out of the community that way. But in reality, what they would then be doing is just splitting the community further between people playing one, people playing two, people playing three, and people who want a whole new experience, which you can only get through mods, which you can only get through one. Um, and that might also be what happened with Blizzard is, well, if they're going to do Warcraft 3 Reforged, they want everyone playing that game. Yeah. So as scummy as it is, if they can just take away your ability to play the original and now you have to play the reforged version, um, that's kind of like corporate greed taken to excess. I think that's like the worst example of it in recent like gaming industry history. Um, because they didn't even, you know, you could say, well, at least it was a, a blatant cash grab. But I don't know if it was even all that successful for Blizzard because oh, they pissed no. off their whole community. I don't think they sold a lot. Once no, people no, no. found out that, you know, if you're a Warcraft 3 fan and you have Warcraft 3 installed and you really enjoy it, you literally cannot and should not purchase or download Warcraft 3 Reforged because you will literally lose your ability to play the original. Um and that's just such a bad move on Blizzard's part. And I've just seen them do nothing but burn goodwill with their community from from there on. Um, well, they're in they're in really the news right now too. It was a, a good a uh, good topic for this week because Blizzard is in the news right now. For yeah. they've been in the news several times. 
Yeah, it's but just like this, this crazy, it's, it's like blowing this, up real bad over there, Blizzard. The state of California is suing Activision Blizzard for horrible work conditions and sexual that, harassment and all this that's stuff. That's not just Blizzard, though, because Activision is in the mix, too, now, because they yeah merger. So now it's Activision uh, and, and Blizzard. Yeah, just it's like the two worst companies teamed up and just became worse <laughs> than they were before individually. And the sad thing so, is, it's like... Okay, so if Activision gets taken down a peg by this thing, or whatever, there will be plenty of other shooters out there, so you don't need to worry about Call of Duty. Even if Call of Duty was somehow affected by this, like, there's going to be other shooters. But the problem with the strategy gaming genre at the moment is, other than discounting much smaller indie things, there's not a lot of big names in there. Um, There hasn't been any big releases in years. And so when someone like Blizzard, even though they haven't been the the biggest strategy game makers recently, other than StarCraft 2, which I guess is a pretty big release. um, But, you know, when Blizzard takes a dive like that, there's not any other strategy game developers out there to even really pick up the slack or something. So that that does definitely affect the genre. Um, And I... I, you know, I kind of wonder what the solution is um, to to kind of get away from the, the topic and a little more into like this industry wide problem, um, because I know like there's strategy gamers out there that want to play a game. It's just I feel like they've never, you know, for years and years, they haven't had the game they've wanted delivered to them. And it's just not something that the gaming industry like takes seriously at all. And I know strategy gaming isn't the biggest market demographic i'm sure but you know that's got to be like millions and millions and millions of copies of something you could sell but you know when when bungie tried with halo wars you know that wasn't a very inspiring you know halo wars is just not a very interesting looking game um in my mind and i think in a lot of people's minds but with halo wars being one of the bigger releases in recent years or however yeah. long ago that was, I don't know when the last. There's a was. there was a Halo Wars two a couple of years ago. Yeah, but it's like, you know, when the the gaming industry looks at strategy gaming, and even like real time strategy gaming, and even with Bungie, and you know they're pulling out all the stops, they're bringing the Halo franchise, they're making a Halo strategy game. Well, it's not Bungie like, anymore, but <laughs> well, whatever. But you know, Halo's on in the mix, and um. You think like they could revolutionize the genre a bit with Halo that, you know, they could do something really groundbreaking, but it's just like the whole gaming industry does not consider strategy games to be worth like experimenting with or trying something new or breaking new ground. Um, Well, it seems more like because it's like a misfit genre and it seems like any any of the bigger stuff that other studios do, like a Halo Wars is they're going to sort of dumb it down a little bit to try to get a wider audience, right? To try to also get people who don't play RTSs. And that's obviously not going to satisfy like hardcore RTS fans who are used to, who are already used to like the advanced mechanics and whatnot. Yeah, I think that's why, again, MOBAs, um, they allow you to be in control of most of the time, just one single unit, you know, whatever character it is that you're playing. And a lot of the quote-unquote strategy elements that would be something that you control in a strategy game are handled and they're automated, um, like minions. 
minions go out in waves and they're automated versus uh, having to actually like build those minions and send them out and give them an attack order. So a lot of that stuff gets gets streamlined. You still have the experience as a as a player of all this stuff happening around you. You've got minions, you've got towers, you've got uh, independent jungles and stuff. Um, you know, you have all these different elements of things going off around you, but you're really only responsible for keeping track of yourself. And there's obviously a lot else you have to do competitively in a MOBA, so I don't want to simplify it too much. But you're, you really are just focused on this one single unit. And so that lets you get a lot more in-depth on, like, your upgrades or your stat increases or what skills you're going to choose or level up as you level. Um, and it lets you focus all your attention on that one single unit, that one single character. And I think that's kind of why it's become a lot more popular than, than strategy games of yesteryear is because uh, people don't... The, the thing that I like about strategy games and the thing that, like, I think makes the genre most interesting is having to kind of focus on your mental bandwidth, on how many tasks can you handle at once. If your opponent is, like, pushing you in two or three different places, you have to be able to keep track of that and juggle that and ha and handle those things in real time. Um, and then you got to be able to come up with something new to kind of like push back on your opponent and kind of put them on the back foot. And it's this very sort of delicate dance and a lot of strategy games uh, matches will last for 20 minutes, maybe 30 minutes, maybe even 40 minutes, maybe longer depending on the game. Um, I really like big, long, vast games where you play one but you get one really good game in for the day and it takes you about an hour and you just feel very satisfied afterwards uh that being said you know that's i think the very thing that a lot of people don't like about those games and why they're interested in maybe other genres is it is very taxing and part of it is kind of putting yourself up against an opponent and being like all right well who can handle more at once who can you know, um, utilize the mechanics of the game to address like all these different issues at the same time. Um, but a lot of people just don't want to be pressured by that. And so a MOBA is a lot easier because you just focus on, you know, buying the sword and leveling up and increasing the strength, you know, on your one specific character. And you don't need to worry about what's happening on the other side of the map. That's very specifically another player's problem. You're saying uh, MOBAs are for the simple minded. Yeah. Well, turn your, I mean, I turn your brain commonly, off. I think it's commonly known that your average no. uh, StarCraft pro is probably. Uh, I agree with Daniel. I like. It's kind of like uh, being in a kitchen, <laughs> like something goes wrong, and like like a professional kitchen, like something goes wrong, and you have to like divert your attention, but also keep a like you got three other things behind you that you have to kind of plan out, and like you said, you have to change your plans accordingly to what's going on and you're getting attacked or whatever roadblock is currently in your way. I like that about RTSs, but I also I think it's a young man's game sometimes. Like, I don't know if I want to be putting that much effort and brain power into a game. So I feel like the older I get, the more... I'm into the uh, turn-based strategy. Like I played a lot, a lot of RTSs when I was younger. Like uh, I played Warcraft Two, II, Warcraft Three was, you know, my big game. Like 
kind of a childhood defining game for me. Uh, I played those a lot when I was younger, but I've kind of fell off the older I get. So, but yeah, it is a delicate balance. And I like both genres. I don't know. I, I really can't pick which one. I really don't know. I really would have to go back and like get into both and see what I'm feeling. Yeah, what I think really does need to happen with the strategy genre is um, there just needs to be a developer that comes along and can kind of take that sort of feedback and really streamline the process of their controls of their game. And um, your comment about it being like a young man's genre makes a lot of sense in terms of you know, like, I don't know about you, but I started off with Red Alert back in the probably mid to late 90s. Um, mm-hmm. And I started with Red Alert and then I got really into StarCraft and uh, played a, a bunch of different, you know, games out from there. And StarCraft is most definitely a young man's game in that uh, you have to be able to micro very intensely. And uh, even when you look at like competitive StarCraft, and these are kind of like the most elite players, but when you watch a match of competitive StarCraft, you can see them like just sweating, trying to like comprehend what, what's going on, what their opponent's doing, what their next strategy needs to be. Um, but a lot of it also comes down to just clicking very fast, which is not something I have ever really been interested in. And that's why I really like Company of Heroes. And that's part of you know why I really like Europe and Ruins is that, um, you know, strategy games went from that gotta gotta click fast, micro-intensive stuff back from, like, Warcraft and the StarCraft days. And what Relic did, and why I'm a big fan of, of, of kind of where they've taken strategy games in their history as a developer, um, what they did with Dawn of War was... It was a very similar sort of game to StarCraft in that you have, like, space marines and you've got aliens shooting lasers at... It's a very sci-fi strategy game. Um, 40, the Warhammer 40K universe, I guess, technically did come first. And then StarCraft, um, the StarCraft universe, Blizzard came up with that uh, a couple years later. So they're, they're both very contemporaries. Uh, but what Relic did with Dawn of War was instead of having things be focused on like faster, 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 got to click more units, um it added a lot of more elements where instead of building one unit at a time you'd actually build a whole squad that had multiple units in it um and you could just give the squad leader an order and you know the the whole squad would move in unison uh you could reinforce the squads you could you could get into cover uh and vehicles for example would have weaker armor on their rear usually than they would on their front so unit positioning really mattered and these were all things that Relic did with Dawn of War that, um, you know, that's it's something that kind of revolutionized the genre there. And it was much more advanced than anything you'd see in StarCraft. Again, there was a morale system in Dawn of War. You could take special characters, like your Space Marine Force Commander, and you could actually attach it to a specific squad to specifically, um, you know, give them a better unit, give them a better leader. And there's a lot of elements that they included there that kind of allowed the game to be taken at a slightly slower pace and not focus so much on like micro. And then with Company of Heroes, they went one step further. The squad AI was even better. Now individual men in the squad would like run and jump and take cover 
and they would react, you know, much more intelligently. Uh, and so they did, they, they did a lot of things that would kind of take away from this got to click fast sort of mentality and put it into a much slower, much, much more methodical mm. um, sort of gameplay. And uh, that's, that's again, why I say that like, I like longer games and Company of Heroes and European Ruins games can go a little bit longer um, than a lot of other games. Matches can easily go like 40 or 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, but the reason that can happen is you're not like burning a million calories a minute, you know, trying <laughs> to like micro and come up with your next move. A lot of it is just about making, uh, you know, better decisions in the long term in terms of, uh, you know, like how to protect your units and not not lose everything and, you know, make better long term decisions. Right. Yeah. So you'd say the. They opened up the barrier of entry, but they didn't compromise on, you know, the depth of the gameplay. Yeah, I think, I mean, Company of Heroes first one came out in 2006, so that's 15 years old at this point. And they did come out with Company of Heroes 2, and there's been other strategy games, of course. But not a lot of people are going to know about a lot of the strategy games, unless you are a strategy gamer. Um, mm-hmm. There, you know, everyone has heard of Halo and everyone has heard about those big names, but there really is no big name strategy game at the moment. And there hasn't been recently. And there really hasn't been like a flagship sort of thing. Um, And personally, I would love it if someone came out of the blue, like Kojima Studios, if they just said like, if Hideo Kojima just said, you know what, my next crazy eccentric thing that I'm going to do is that I'm going to redefine the strategy gaming genre. And he came up with his own thing. Um, I think something like that really could work to get a lot of people's attention back on the genre. Um, and I would certainly love to see someone kind of come out of the blue and do something crazy like that. Yeah, definitely need a name or a company to come out and kind of attach themselves to the genre to kind of reinvigorate. Because, yeah, like you said, the only people that are playing are already fans of the genre. There, There isn't a lot of uh, expansion to new people. I think the, la- like, like the last tr- real try was, yeah, probably Halo Wars. And I played the first one. I never played the second one. I'm, I'm not sure how good it was, but at the, I remember when Halo Wars came out, I was not interested because I was like, I don't want to play an RTS on console. It just doesn't seem right. <laughs> Yeah, it's also a genre that really does not lend itself well to being on consoles. And developers have always tried to find a way. There was Red Alert on the PlayStation. There was um, StarCraft on the N64. Uh, obviously, yeah. Halo Wars. And But I, I think consoles are much better off for tactics games. Um, the obvious one being like Final Fantasy Tactics. You know, you can have more of an RPG... Um, sort of game that still uses the turn-based battle system to really make it, uh, you know, a, a bit more of a turn-based strategy game. That's kind of comes where it, where it comes down to, though. Like, okay, you'll have a, a smaller party in XCOM or Final Fantasy Tactics, but that's more of a party in like, uh, you know, you're dealing with just a couple individuals across this battle versus mm-hmm. the dozens of units that you can really only get in a um a a real-time game you just cannot have 300 units take their turns in a row 
I don't I know. I mean, who uh, knows? Maybe uh, you could put a RTS on the Switch, something with a touchscreen. You think that would work? You know, I've been thinking that um, what I think would be most interesting for a strategy game would actually be something like a, a VR game. And Ooh, you'd have yeah. to, you'd have to, you know, what I'm imagining, you'd have to change the what people would regularly think of as a strategy game because most people when you think of a strategy game really you're thinking about you have to play it at a computer with a mouse and keyboard because how else are you going to play a real-time strategy game yeah Uh, but vr would allow you to do something a lot different and because you can just kind of like move and use your hands within vr um I think you've got a lot more control that you could have like that in a much more intuitive way. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could also do it sort of diegetically in that, um, you know, your VR headset, you could actually be a guy who's commanding a battle from like a helicopter that's flying over the battlefield, you know? Um, uh, if you've seen Black Hawk Down, something like that, um, I think Black Hawk Down would be like the perfect depiction of how to handle something like that in VR, maybe, where you've got a battle going on in a city down below you, you're up in a helicopter, kind of commanding troops from there. Um, I know there was a Tom Clancy strategy game that came out on consoles that I cannot remember the name of, because again, it didn't really work out, and that's kind of a bummer. Um, but it did involve voice commands. Mm. And if I'm remembering correctly... The technology just wasn't quite there when they were doing it. Um, it was it was something simple like, okay, all units defend objective alpha. And then all your units would be like, yes, sir. And they would go there and they would do it on its own. It was too basic to really... Because when you're playing a strategy game, you really want to be able to do, like, give nuanced commands. And, um, you know, the subtleties really do matter because what it's going to come down to is if you've got your dudes shooting against their dudes... Well, whoever, you know, whoever's guys are, are better taking cover or in a better position um, is usually the guy who's going to win. And you want a lot of, you know, detail and control to be able to do that. So to just be able to do that with like a voice comms on a built in microphone back in like 2008 or whatever, it just wasn't quite there. But we're, we're kind of, you know, we're kind of a decade beyond whenever that game came out and I forgot about it um, and all that time. And so I think, again, there's really could be someone uh, who could look at, okay, well, strategy games haven't had an update in a while, um, but like, let's take a look at unit AI and let's just have a strategy game that has the most intelligent unit AI you've ever seen. And I think something like that would be really eye-catching and could kind of uh, get a lot of people interested in like, whoa, I've never seen, you know, NPCs in Call of Duty don't even react to this like, interestingly and this is like units in the strategy game we're talking about here wow you could really have something eye-catching like that that could uh get a lot of people's attention and revolutionize the genre maybe and i think vr would also um give you a lot of options where it's like okay you don't just have to be sitting there clicking a mouse tapping away on a keyboard yeah Um, it'd be more intuitive i think yeah, ways. just be like, okay, the units I've selected go into this building. Well, um, I'm, lo- I'm looking at, now, I looked up if there are any uh, VR RTS games. And there there is, there's quite a few. There's one called, I think the best one is called Brass Tactics. Um, it's a VR RTS. And it's actually made 
It says here, made from the lead, the lead designer of Age of Empires 2. It's got a lot of rewards. It's got good reviews. So I guess there are. Yeah, that looks kind of like a board game. Is it, a, is it an actual real-time strategy game? That's what it said. That's what they're classifying it as. Oh, that's cool. RTS. So it's a strategy game, but from the VR perspective, it looks like you're looking at yeah, like a, a tabletop game that's playing out live. Yeah, like you're your god and you're looking down <laughs> now on that your is army, really cool. Which is how I would expect to see an RTS play out in VR. I never heard of that. I'll have to check it, see if that check that out. Yeah, strategy games always have that interesting angle of like okay, they almost always have a top-down camera angle because that's how you're going to get the best view of the battlefield. But very rarely is it ever explained like how are you actually getting this top-down view and like commanding your units and in some games it'll be like well it's a it's a satellite it's a satellite you know satellite so you're watching a satellite feed of the battlefield and that's how you're giving your orders that works for a sci-fi game but it's (laughs) never really explored in like warcraft you know yeah they should come up with actually some cool bring the camera angle into it would be a really cool way uh, because a, a lot of strategy games, I think, is sort of the the cinematic experience that you can get out of it. I think that's a lot of the enjoyment that it's definitely a genre that not a lot of people are willing to kind of sink the time necessary into to either get good at them or it's just not a popular enough genre for them to want to check it out in the first place. But if you can really dig in there and, um, you know, get to enjoy some of these games a lot of it just comes down to the sheer awesomeness of having a thousand different things shoot at a thousand other things and you can really get a very cinematic experience out of it with all this stuff that happens you can you know have this perfect little set piece battle play out in front of you but it's not a really cool scene in a movie it's actually something that you have control over um and again going back to company of heroes I think it was really obvious um, from playing the game and from being so familiar with the game that that strategy game was very much like directly inspired by Saving Private Ryan and Band of Brothers. And there's a lot of missions and stuff that happen in the game that, again, are taken like directly out of the script of either that movie or that show. Um, So that was very obviously the kind of experience they were trying to get there. They were trying to make a playable Saving Private Ryan and they did a very good job of it. The game has excellent voice acting. It has some of the best, you know, some of the best praised sound design of any game um, I've seen in a really long time. Um, and it's, they remain kind of like uh, very, very defining, very, very well regarded, like to this day. And so they've, they very much delivered on that kind of experience. And when you're, you're playing a very intense multiplayer game, or something like that you get that very similar feeling uh as you would kind of watching you know band of brothers um a battle in game actually plays out very similar to how it would play out like how it actually plays out in the show uh there's there's a very similar feeling there and they're able to capture that very well um, which I think is is good for them. But a lot of what strategy games do in general is just deliver on that kind of experience of, you know, it's so cool to see whether it's 20 orcs, you know, charging at a, a bunch of elves 
or whether it's um you know like a more historical game or if it's like a sci-fi game where you've got lasers shooting everywhere sort of that like huge grand battle cinematic experience is something that really um strategy games are very good at delivering on yeah uh rob how you doing over there i'm playing solitaire damn dude Daniel's explaining his love. Clearly, he has an extreme passion for RTS games and strategy games, and you're over here playing Solitaire? He's not even playing a turn-based game. He's playing Solitaire. I can't get a word in. What am I supposed to do? I'm gonna play well, here, oh, well, the mic is handed over. How do you feel about... Do you have any rebuttal, or do you just want to go straight into a... Um, 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 strategy. What? What's the other genre? Turn-based. Turn-based strategy. Well, I don't play RTSs, so you've never played one. I've never finished one. I've played. I played Command and Conquer at a friend's house on the PlayStation <laughs> back in the day. I enjoyed it actually. I just never uh, had one. I mean, you'd and probably enjoy had... it. If yeah, I I have a bunch of RTSs in my backlog. I just haven't gotten around to them. But uh, I didn't have a PC uh, that could play games for a really long time. So I missed out on... I mean, I, mean, I missed out on the entire Blizzard thing in general just because I didn't have a PC. Yeah. Uh, and I think I played the tutorial of Age of Empires 2 but I just never got back to it. Well, yeah, Age of Empire and like Civilization Builders are another one that we haven't even really touched on, which are kind of a part of this discussion. Yeah. yeah. Age of Empires is like, it still has the, the combat. It's more just like you build shit for a while and then you get into the combat versus like doing both at the same time, right? Yeah, it's more it about more like building a... up your civilization and then getting to like an unstoppable point yeah, yeah I, like, I just i like civ civ is a lot of fun and it's another game that like you better dedicate a night if you're gonna play a match you need like days sometimes you can save your online match yeah it's mad every time i get mad every time i see that tropico guy's face on, uh, <laughs> el presidente dude he's awesome I refuse to play those games just because the covers annoy me. Why? You're... They're funny. I just don't like it. You're not supposed to like El Presidente. But I don't like looking at him. Well, you don't have to look at him in the game. Isn't that more of a god game? It's like a city. It's it's like SimCity, except you can like uh, have people arrested or executed. Oh, sick. Or... It's that, I mean, it, it's very much like sim city but yeah you're like a corrupt south american presidente so you do play as him um yes but do you have to look at him no oh okay no, there's no like portrait you... like in the corner of the screen you are no like uh like doom no i think you can click on him and like get specifically the details on him as oh. he, he walks around because you play as el presidente but also like his model will just kind of wa walk around the map doing stuff while you while you play the game well then that's a deal breaker for me oh damn i don't want to have to see him 
Yeah, you know, this is not really a strategy game, but I'm bummed that um, EA fucked up SimCity in, what was that, 2013? So that's like eight years ago at this point, right? Was that the right date I'm thinking of? Maybe it was 2014. Uh, but like, I love SimCity. I grew up with SimCity. And then Maxis got bought by EA. EA fucked up everything Sim. And now, you know, now there's no more SimCity, which is a bummer. Oh, yeah, SimCity. They sure did kill that one. Uh, I used to go on, like, custom games in Warcraft 3, and there would be, like, uh, the map would just be, like, a picture of a nude girl, and I would, like, it would take a really long time to load the map, but I would just sit there waiting because I wanted to see boobs and uh, so bad. We had a we had a, a, a Sim City on a communal computer in the library at my elementary school, uh, and some dickhead would delete other people's cities. That guy's awesome. Fucking, fucking Joker <laughs> over here. That guy's That's great. Nice. I think I saw a kid cry once because he opened it up and his city was gone. <laughs> And the light, the librarian had to be like, "All right, I don't know if you're in here right now, but whoever's doing this, you gotta knock this shit off. Don't delete other people's cities." Damn. Yeah, I don't know. I like, I like that kid. Whoever did that, you're awesome. <laughs> no, that sucks, dude. Well, Joker, what a what a, a privilege moment. that we actually had like a video game at school, and somebody had to like be a chaos lord about it. Straight up Joker, yeah, baby Joker. It sure, sure taught those kids that we live in a. Society. Do you know, do you think you know who did it? No, damn. I don't know. It probably was one of my friends, though. <laughs> so you're you're with the wrong crowd, is what you're saying? Some oh, friend. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one time we got in trouble for like, uh, betting on the kindergartners who they they had this like uh. It was the shape of a track, you know, like an oval, and they would ride their tricycles around the track, and we would, like, bet on them like they were horses, you know, like who was going to win. And we got real rowdy about it. We, like, got in character like it was a ho- like we were at a horse race, and we got in trouble. <laughs> it was pretty funny. Damn. Well, do you have anything to, like, say? No, talk I about, only have things to about say about... houses. I only have things to say about turn-based strategy games. Well, yeah, then say some things. Yeah, hell yeah. Tell us about Three Houses. Three Houses is the best game ever made. Those are Uh, fucking powerful words. Well, I'd say it's in my top 20. I'll say that. Uh, I have, uh, according to my Switch, I have uh, over 150 hours in Three Houses, uh, which is not a lot for like a real-time strategy game. But for like a single player game, to me, that's a lot. Like, I there's very few games in my life that I've put over a hundred hours into. I think I have two games on Steam with over a hundred hours. Yeah, you got your little units and you go to school with them and you're the teacher, and it's like a life sim that they added. Cause the old school Fire Emblem games, it's just the battles, you know? It's just like chapter one, a battle, chapter two, a battle, and there would be like some dialogue in between. But this one, they added a full-on fucking like Persona-style life sim, fucking you're you're going to school kind of shit. You got stuff to do every day, 
and you can only do so many things in a day. And for, for whatever reason, that just fits so perfectly to me with a turn-based strategy game. Like, I would love an Advance Wars game like that. If they ever make another Advance Wars, I'd be so down for that. Like, you're in the barracks and shit, like, doing stuff. You can, like, cook and fucking romance people. That would be sick for Advance Wars. Dude, I would I would romance Nell. Hell yeah. Nell's my girl. Uh, I was always a Sammy... A Sammy Stan uh, <laughs> in elementary school. Yeah. I feel Dude, like, the... yeah, JRPGs can, can still pull off. Because they, like, everyone expects, well, the the bog standard 90s JRPG is like a turn-based thing. So it's, it's, it's still very acceptable to have like a turn-based battle JRPG. I think it's a lot more acceptable. Yeah, it's pretty much, it's mostly died uh, in terms of traditional RPGs, the ones that aren't like tactics games. Like uh, Final Fantasy has not had a turn-based game since 10-2. And uh, Dragon Quest is finally changing. The new Dragon Quest will not be turn-based. Which is like, holy shit, if Dragon Quest is changing, <laughs> that's how you know yeah. it's over. That's like, crazy. It's over. I don't know, I like XCOM too. XCOM is cool. I like that. It's nice that it's like has been revived, you know? Yeah. XCOM is a real kind of like miracle success story. Um, They really could have like, Hey guys, we brought back XCOM, but it could have just been like a really shitty cash grab. Um, But Fraxis did a, a damn good job of bringing that genre back. And then it was popular enough even for a sequel. They have been sort of uh, going down the wrong path, though. Uh, oh, really? Like XCOM 2 has, like, really expensive DLC, and it's, it's like a fucking... Uh, what's it called? They, they've made, like, a couple spinoff games that no one likes. They just came out with a mobile game. And it's like, just make XCOM 3. Like, fuck off with all this shit. I'm, I'm worried that there will never be an XCOM 3, that something's going to happen in the same way... What happened to uh, Deus Ex, the Deus Ex revival? Yeah. Oh, wait. What, well, what did happen? Uh, they made two of them, and they made a couple spinoff games that nobody liked and a mobile game, and then they never made another one. Oh, what the fuck? Uh, well, I don't know if you ever heard about this, but uh, Crystal Dynamics and Eidos Montreal made the Deus Ex revival games. Uh, yeah. And they were conscripted to... Basically, Deus Ex 3 got canceled so that they could make Marvel's Avengers. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, just just the worst thing that could ever happen <laughs> to a studio. And that game underperformed, so now I'm worried that they're just going to get canned. That they're just going to shut down those studios because of that. It's like, hey, that game we forced you to make that you had no passion for didn't do well, so now we're going to shut you down. Sort of like what uh, EA did with uh, Visceral with Dead Space 3. Yeah. God, and, I hope uh, not. Who owns them? Who owns who? Uh, Crystal Dynamics. Oh, uh, Square Enix. Oh. Yeah. Damn. And then EA, uh, they've basically conscripted every single studio they own to work on Call of Duty Warzone. 
Like, oh my we, God. we might never get another Crash or Spyro game because they're forced to work on Call of Duty Warzone. Just because oh that game has God. gotten... That game has gotten so big that they had to just force every single developer they own to work on it. That, uh, I was not aware of that. That's not yeah. how knows. It's unfortunate. Because I don't give a fuck about no Call of Duty uh, Battle Royale game. I like uh, COD Zombies. That's about it. But yeah, I guess turn-based turn base strategy has never been particularly popular either. Uh, even Fire Emblem, like those games would barely sell like a million copies until the last couple of them. And yeah, like Advance I know that, Wars was always like a niche thing. That the series has taken off in the last couple Fire Emblems, but yeah, um, that's just a popularity thing. Hence, there's being in Smash. I think there's there's fourteen or fifteen main Fire Emblem games. And Three Houses has sold more than the previous, like, 14 combined. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Like, by a lot. Like, I wonder if that's, like, can any of that success be owed to its turn-based strategy aspect? Or is it all the fucking anime RPG? The anime. Oh, yeah, for sure. The appeals to the weeaboos. The party hot girl anime. The power of the Switch is is a big part of it, I think. Because even like Animal Crossing blew up in a way that it never did before on the Switch. Yeah. Well, that game just kind of came out at the perfect time, like right at the beginning of the lockdown. And that game has come so bare bones compared to any of the previous entries, but it still just did gangbusters. But yeah, outside of Fire Emblem and XCOM, it's kind of a not a not a big genre right now. Uh, they're both there's... definitely genres i feel like where you have to look at the games in the past as well that kind of comprise the genre because there's just not a lot of modern stuff to be to be looking at point for point yeah th- there's this indie game called Wargroove that i really like it's uh it's like a love letter to advance wars and fire emblem it's kind of like those two combined uh and that game's cool, but it's, you know, it's super indie. Not a lot of people play the multiplayer. It has it, though. It has a create-your-own campaign, which is cool. But, like, I would kill for a fucking... Well, they are doing the Advance Wars 1 and 2 remake on the Switch. Hopefully like... that'll that'll do sell well, and then you'll get a new Advance yeah. Wars with multiplayer, you know. Yeah, I I would only be interested in the multiplayer of it because to me, those games are sort of perfect games. They don't need to be remade at all. If anything, I think the graphics and the music are perfect. Like the GBA look and the sound. To me, you could never improve on that. I would rather just have a completely new game. The weird like claymation 3D thing they got going on that they did with the new Zelda as well. Yeah, I think it looks really interesting, but I don't know. It, it leaves a lot to be desired unless they put a lot more detail. I think Zelda was a lot more detailed. Um, oh yeah, the little the little elements to it. Uh, but like the generic soldier dudes look a little uh, a little less detailed than I would like in some of the uh, those three D re release previews. Yeah, it's clearly not a big budget title. <laughs> Like uh, the the Zelda game was, but if it leads to a new Advance Wars, I'm all for it. 
Did any of you guys ever play uh, uh, any strategy games other than Final Fantasy Tactics? Play like Ogre Tactics on the what was that N sixty four? Uh, I it's on my list. It's on my list of things to play. I didn't really know about it at the time. No, I didn't play. Yeah, the first my first tactics experiences were on the GBA with Advance Wars and Fire Emblem. Yeah, turn-based stuff is a lot better for mobile, that's for sure. Yeah, other than the like limited multiplayer uh component of those. Like it was super tight when you could actually do it when you had a friend and a fucking link cable or whatever, but it's not, you know, nothing compared to PC. Yeah, I think that's a big part of it too. Um is just Real-time strategy games have been computer games, like primarily computer games for so long that there's a lot of stuff that's just built into the DNA of the genre at this point with uh, multiplayer. Yeah, like it's hard to have a real-time strategy game without multiplayer. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, you know, and like you're not going to have a real-time strategy game on a handheld, but you will have a turn-based game. Um, and so those things are kind of like very specific and kind of unique to each each genre yeah, imagine starcraft on like a game boy advance with like two buttons <laughs> <laughs> it would be a fucking nightmare on a tiny ass screen i hate just like i've never i've never played starcraft or warcraft 3 just because of blizzard you know like their yeah. ecosystem if if you never get into it you kind of never will because it's like their games aren't on Steam. They're on their own fucking thing. It's like I'm not trying to have another fucking thing. Yeah, you uh, need a whole new launcher. They're all of their games are like always online bullshit. Uh even the older ones. And just like just like the, the Warcraft 3 fiasco. It's like I wouldn't want to support them play. as a developer either. Yeah. Like if anything, I would I I, maybe someday I'll play Warcraft 3 if I can, like, pirate it, you know? Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of it, too, was uh, back in the heyday being able to play all those custom games, and I don't yeah. think any of those still exist. That's fucking... That's just bizarre. Uh, that's sort of like... Uh, remember when Skyrim came out with Special Edition? Um, And they, they at least... They didn't completely destroy the original. They like delisted it from the store. But if you like knew if you like searched it directly, you could find it and still buy it cuz like the mods didn't carry over, you know what I mean? Like the special oh. edition was built from the ground up and uh the mod makers if they wanted to have their mod in special edition, they had to go out of their way to like make it in special edition. So like a lot of people who played with mods were pissed about special edition and the fact that it was like delisted and shit, but at least they didn't like completely delete it, you know? Yeah. It's still out there, um, yeah. but it's not supported at all in any way. There's never going to be any, well, not that the Bethesda is very good with bug fixes anyway, but <laughs> if it ever like completely goes to shit, it'll never like, if we ever update to like, you know, next gen computers or whatever, it's, Someone's going to have to make a fan-made patch to get it to run on whatever's next, you know, whatever's after 64-bit systems. 65-bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, such a, it's such a bummer to see developers 
it's a it's a fine line that they have to walk with mods between like what is a free mod that maybe takes away from people playing our main game but maybe it's also better for the community um but time and time again like out of these modding communities comes you know not just smaller mods that change things in a in a you know in a less significant way that you would consider to be you know quote unquote a modification but also really big you know uh creating whole new genres even sometimes uh with just the the tools that you have available to you um you know anytime that a, a game developer kind of gives you access to their tools that they use to build the game and they kind of like give you the opportunity okay well if you want to you know mod things further or whatever it is help yourself the the number of things that come out of that it's just like so good time and time again that again like dota was literally born out of a uh, warcraft 3 custom map um and when developers just don't respect that kind of you know the talent that their the community is willing to pour for free into this game but also kind of like change things and revolutionize things and then even implement things you know in their mods that then become industry standard and then it's just like you know this wasn't created by the developer that actually developed the full title that's an actual professional video game developer like this really cool idea game mechanic whatever it is like came out of the idea of a dude who was working for free you know in some basement somewhere just to make a mod for this game well what's funny is when a developer will come out on them yeah they'll come out with like a remaster and then the remaster is like worse than the original with fan-made mods (laughs) oh yeah like uh like skyrim special edition a lot of the improvements they made like there are mods that do those things better or like dark souls remastered uh it's just like not as good as a couple of mods yeah i mean fans know what is wrong with the game more than developers usually and they know how to fix it too especially like they're fans of the game they're gonna take the time to do it you know mods are are like 90 percent of the time they're good for the game and they're good for the genre and the community it's just like developers they don't they don't want to like not have control of everything. And then there's also like I guess companies are worried about something like Dota happening again where like Blizzard doesn't make any money from Dota. You know, they lost that lawsuit or whatever to Valve. Um they're worried that someone's going to make a mod that's going to become its own thing and then they're going to make money off of it and not us. Even if it like even if Dota has done more to like benefit the genre as a whole you know what i mean like more people probably play other blizzard games because of dota just the fact that it's brought more people into that general ecosystem you know it's sort of like good competition oh yeah it's just it's just like a control thing it's like why why nintendo doesn't want you to play melee it's just ugh, fuck them mod your games well hopefully a nickelodeon smash comes out and (laughs) Gives Nintendo a run for their money. Hell yeah. Uh, how long are we? Uh, I forgot to write down when we actually started. It was probably been... like 9.20, 9.30, or 8.30, 9, 8, 
Yeah, we've been recording for an hour 20. I think we started about five minutes into that, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, Craig started at like 8.30. Yeah, that sounds right then. Yeah. I'm trying well, to think of uh, what else is there to say. Oh, what about uh, Pikmin? That's an interesting. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You know, Pikmin always gets listed as like, you know, as a strategy game, which I totally agree with. But then I always like forget about. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, you don't think of it as like a Nintendo GameCube strategy game. You think of it as like an adventure action sort of. But yeah, that is, you know, you've got your resource resource gathering, resource management, unit management. You're kind of doing it not to fight an opponent, but instead to, you know, acquire loot throughout the world, I suppose. But that's still very much a strategy. And uh, I mean, you could do something like you could take a similar concept to Pikmin and do it in a in a turn based you know, you can have a turn-based game that's about harvesting Pikmin. Um, but I think, again, the fact that it's real-time, to bring it back to the subject, uh, allows you to breathe, like, a lot more life into the world. And you have the very idea of Pikmin, where each day is, I think, 20 minutes long, or however long each day is. And again, there's just something about, like, okay, I have a very tangible, definitive, finite timeline. I have 20 minutes for this day in order to go about my day. And then it just kind of comes down to time management, which is a big part of any real time thing. Um, if you can do something in less time, you're going to be more successful. You know, if you can get more done in the same amount of time, you're going to be a bit more successful there. And a lot of it comes down to like pattern recognition, pattern, ugh, pattern recognition and like organizational ability. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, Pikmin just kind of adds, it's very much like you kind of got to manage your time really well. I think it's closer to like 10 minutes every day. Like it's pretty short. So you really got to like, okay, like here's my plan. I'm going to do this. And the later games kind of expand on it because in two, you, ha you can control two characters. So you're split up. So you're constantly going back and forth. And then Pikmin 3, you have three characters, which you can spread all across the map. So you have one person, you know, uh, taking care of a bridge, another person like getting, um, like getting the like the like the artifacts and stuff like that, and then yeah, it just kind of adds this element because you can you have to you're physically moving, you know, you can't like teleport anywhere. So you, it's an interesting game. I really like Pikmin. I love I love that game. Hopefully, we can get a fourth one. Yeah, it goes to show that you can. It's possible to have an RTS on a console if it's. It helps if it's like more simple, like Pikmin is. Yeah. Pretty simplified. Uh, it's simple. It just I think the the, the difficulty comes in other areas, compared to a traditional RTS. It's a shame that like, nobody really. The baton never got taught. Uh, passed. Yeah, definitely. Like it, didn't, it didn't really become a, a genre that's much of a thing on consoles. And even Pikmin itself only has, what, three games in 20 years? Yeah, three main games, and there's like a shitty 3DS like platformer. I don't know why they made that game. Oh, Hey Pikmin? Hey Pikmin. So the, some, of the worst, <laughs> some of the worst video game titles ever are on the 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the world ends with you new super mario brothers oh yeah yeah <laughs> Ugh. what are they gonna do when they like are they just gonna call it the new new super mario brothers i mean nintendo like will they ever make like a traditional super mario brothers again well, like, i mean if if they ever do it's just going to be called new super mario brothers like switch or whatever their next console is because that was that the last one is is uh new super mario brothers u wii u i, I think uh mario maker kind of killed it you know yeah it's like they, why why bother <laughs> but then they just killed mario makers two's momentum like they stopped updates after a year mm. I, I feel like no one really talks about that game anymore. Now they got Game Builder Garage, which seems cool, but I can't see that lasting for very long. It's uh, well, they got to do 3D Mario Maker. I wish that would be awesome. Yeah, because I would much rather play 3D Mario than 2D Mario. But again, I think I don't think Nintendo likes the idea of you like playing a game with fan-made content where you're not paying any money for it yeah the thought of you just like playing that for years and like not spending any money on anything else i don't think they like that's the thing about community made stuff like mods but not even just mods even just like custom maps and mario maker you know it's gonna be infinite and you know on, on the one hand that's an infinite amount of content that might be like sponging up some of your audience uh, on the other hand, though, that's a person sitting down and like dedicating hours of their life to create a free piece of content for you. And, you know, so long as like you want people to be making stuff for your game, because that means that there's people out there who are still excited enough to make things for your game. And you wouldn't you, you wouldn't want to discourage that, you know, if someone's still playing your game a year later. Um, nope. Well, not, it, not according to Nintendo. You play with the games they release. Well, like, with Nintendo, it makes a little more sense because they sell so many things that are constantly coming out. But for, like, a developer where you only make, you know, one game at a time, uh, you shouldn't be upset that, like, someone is still playing your old game as long as, like, you don't make so much money in microtransactions. That's where things get kind of gross because, like, I mean, Todd Howard has basically admitted like he's sad that people still play Skyrim because they don't make any money off of it. Like he wants people playing uh, Fallout seventy six because it has microtransactions. Well, well isn't that his own, own made fault? It not shit. <laughs> because they keep re re releasing it on every console ever made. Well, they ever. keep re releasing it because at least that way they make money. But you got <laughs> if you if you don't want people to play, you got to take a stance and say like, yeah, you know. We're moving on from this, but they don't have another. Um, yeah, that's such a risky game. thing to do because their newer games are fucking. Well, terrible. they can't make a game to save their their company, so yeah, they're probably the smart decision just to keep rolling it's in the like, Skyrim money. Like uh, the Company of Heroes uh, devs, for example. Like, does Company of Heroes two have microtransactions? Uh, yes, and that was something oh, else I was gonna okay. I was gonna talk about. See, that's the real reason they don't want you playing the first one, because if they didn't have microtransactions in either, why the fuck would it matter which one you play as long as you're like in their ecosystem? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, what happened was um, 
they they made the first game and then uh with the first game like towards the end of the life cycle of the first game that's when thq their original publisher um went bankrupt and then then they got bought out by sega so the microtransactions were very much i believe um uh, a money-making thing put in by sega because there wasn't any dlc for the first game and then all of a sudden the game structure got changed in such a way where yeah there's no modding so there there you can only play the company of heroes 2 experience there's no mods available really for the most part and then yeah there are microtransactions for for that game uh it's not a genre that really lends itself too well to microtransactions because you can either have cosmetic stuff um which are your tiny people <laughs> yeah well stuff like a paint scheme on a tank uh oh. will stand out a bit uh but you can't really you can't really have like a thing you can't just have like better units for microtransaction download um because then that's just such that, that will immediately kill your game because it's like okay, yeah you're just selling better units that's like clearly what you're doing here um, so you have to be very careful because strategy games are all about balance. Um, it's not just, you know, in a single player game, you can have the most broken weapon in the game be a DLC thing. Um, and that's just fine because it's a single player content. Who cares if it destroys the balance of the world? You know, if you as a player want to live out your little power fantasy, you can do that. Um, but that you can't really deliver a power fantasy with microtransaction content in a game that's all about player versus player balance. And so it becomes a very difficult genre. Like I, I wouldn't try to sell microtransactions, maybe cosmetic stuff that like, Hey, if, if your players are willing to give you money for cosmetic stuff, you might as well. But in terms of any like gameplay changing stuff, I'd much rather have an expansion pack or, or, or something of the sort than like individual, like, oh, you could download this unit. You could download this unit. Um, I find that stuff to be to be kind of gross. Yeah. You know, just make the game and then just release the game. And then when you add, you know, a $20 download thing, which fortunately Company of Heroes actually does not have. They're they're very modest with their microtransactions, although they do have them. They're not nearly as exploitative as they could be, which is good. Not that I would give them a pass to go any further than they, you know. Um but it's not so bad, but it's it's like, but also people are still playing Company of Heroes 1 mods and those communities are still around. Those communities are still attracting members and growing. Um, this is something I can speak to from experience with Europe and Ruins. Like we definitely have players who bought Company of Heroes, who bought a company of a copy of Company of Heroes specifically just so they could play Europe and Ruins. They're not even interested in actually playing the game. They just want to play the mod. And you know you get uh, you get games like Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, which started off as a mod for Arma Three, and as that mod grew, as PUBG grew more and more in popularity, and eventually it would go on to become its very own game with its very own dev studio. But before that, you know, as it was getting bigger, as it was growing, as it was attracting attention, it was bringing more and more players back to Arma Three. And all those players had to buy a copy of Arma 3 in order to play PUBG. And what do you know? PUBG grows in popularity in, in size where it became 
like a worldwide phenomenon for a while. Um, so if, you know, when you discourage modding like that, that's also, you know, you might see some small benefit that is causing you to, you know, ban, ban modding to, to kind of do away with modding, but that also like completely takes away your ability to, um, kind of get so many more people back interested in your game after its natural life cycle based solely on the work that someone else has done you know the amateur work someone else has done for free that are getting people to come back and buying copies of your game so who wins you got to support both you know you got to support the people that are willing to buy the dlc and buy every expansion that you put out and also the people that are unwilling to move on and are stuck on the previous entry you can't alienate either of them they're they're both they're both there for the same reason for the love of the game yeah and i'd really like to see the the strategy gaming genre kind of grow rather than becoming smaller and smaller and like more concentrated with fewer options and then they do away with modding as well i'd rather just see the whole community grow um but that's going to require an active push from a lot of different developers and from the gaming industry as a whole to not completely abandon the genre. But I think also if you could just get some players, you know, back in to kind of revitalize your community, um, not that company fears community is like suffering too much, but it's not as popular as it was back in its heyday. And there's a reason that the game that came out 15 years ago is still considered better than the game that came out more recently than that. But which is better? Well, real-time strategy games, clearly. They give you the greatest variety of possibilities. You can have a lot more complexity than in a turn-based game because all that complexity gets calculated in a single moment. And there's a lot of it happening all over you know, all over the screen and all over the map all at once. I think that's a, another big part of why strategy games, real-time strategy games, um, I think they feel a lot more rewarding to play. And that's the reason I think that they were, you know, in their heyday, they were more popular than I think um, turn-based games have ever been. And the reason for that is just because, you know, um, you can have a, you know, a one in 1,000 calculation going on for one specific action. But then when you have those actions happening, you know, dozens or hundreds or thousands of times all over the map at the same time, you know, um, suddenly there's so much complexity to the game that you're not able to keep track of all of it. Whereas and if, in a turn-based game, I feel like you're much, much more easier, much more easily able to keep track of everything. And so part of it is is actually like having so much happen that you actually get um, a little overwhelmed or you're not necessarily able to keep track of all of it perfectly, but it's about spinning plates and, uh, being able to have a bunch of different factors come in and interact with each other and kind of play themselves out all at once, you know, calculated in a single moment. And it it leads to a lot, a lot more possibility for complexity and depth. Spinning plates, gameplay. You heard it here, folks. Turn-based is better. You get to take your time. Like chess. chess. Yeah, chess is good. People don't really think of chess as a strategy game, but I would definitely say it's a strategy game. Who doesn't think of it? It's literally a strategy game. Well, well what do people think it is? A fucking like ball a puzzle game? almost. How is it a puzzle? You're playing against somebody else. Puzzle. 
it's like a puzzle that you play against someone else and they're all you have a strategy to beat them you. and you have to execute it and they have a strategy yeah but with chess you have i mean you do have a lot of possibilities you do have a lot of options but you are very limited you have uh, a finite number of options that are available at any moment and you certainly don't have enough time in a day to calculate every single possibility for every single turn but oh, there's a couple do. there's a couple key you know i, I don't want to talk about chess let's wrap this up <laughs> okay chess now. the man doesn't want to talk about chess the most prominent turn-based game in this human is history. how we're talking about it's not a video game but it's still a game i don't it's care still the, the concept of a game this is too this is way too long danny, danny who wins uh fighting games oh no no not that's worse games. than both fighting games are still alive though yeah so they win these genres are dead they're only alive uh, uh turn-based is only alive because of anime titties rts is for boomers and zoom and zoomers play starcraft and mobatards so nobody wins we all lose mobatards you're gonna get a lot of angry comments <laughs> from all the mobatards i invite i invite the 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 moba fans to come come and send us an email send us an email yeah somebody at, please send us an email 30 yobcast at gmail.com send Wait, us no, your, that's your suggestion it's just 30 year old boomercast at gmail. Yeah, our our gmail is 30 old boomercast at gmail. Our Twitter and is 30yobcast. Uh, we have a Facebook group. We have a Discord fan group. Come join. Nobody's joined. If, Thanks for if you If you suggest League versus Dota, we won't do it. We will never talk I, about League or do Dota. We have to get will, in here. You can do that one without me. I'm not doing that. Yeah, you can, you can just, that could be the Daniel show for that episode. I don't even know what Dota looks like, and I hate League of Legends. I mean, it looks a lot like League of Legends. They look the same, but I can't tell yeah. the difference between the two. They're very similar games. And, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Go check out Europe and Ruins, the game modification for Company of Heroes on Steam. Search us Europe and Ruins or go to www.europeandruins.com. Just check it out. You can also check us out on the YouTube where we have 110 subscribers currently and growing. Oh, yeah. On Steam, you don't even have to type in Company of Heroes. You can just type in Europe and Ruins and it'll come up. Indeed. But you have to own Company of Heroes. You do. I think it's like $20. And if, hey, if anyone were to actually email us about it, I will buy you a free copy of Company of You'll Heroes. You'll get a free copy <laughs> of Company of Heroes. The first it's emailer. So if you're out there, if you listen to the end, uh, I saw, I was watching a video. It says most people don't get to the end. Like 80% of people don't get to the very end of a podcast. So you should oh, be yeah, you're, supposed to, you're supposed to plug stuff at the beginning. You plug at the beginning. Yeah. And that's in the what middle. I've been saying. So, so Rob, edit this in, edit, edit no, this like this I'm is the beginning <laughs> for next time. You got to do a giveaway. Uh, Thanks for yeah. listening. Bye bye. Thank you for listening. We love you. I know. Upward and upward. Bye bye. Fingers.